All right, amen. Uh, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. And we are on the last point of this message that we started on the subject that Christ, according to Isaiah 53, was numbered with the transgressors. And we looked at all different categories of transgressors, the poor, the physically infirmed. And by the way, nobody was left out. The Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And some of you have found yourself in more than one of these categories. Uh, if you didn't make the poor category, maybe you made the rich category. And, and I'm here to say this morning, more of us are rich than we realize. You know, it, it, it used to be the big deal was a millionaire. That doesn't even seem like a big deal anymore. But just because you're not a billionaire doesn't mean that you're not wealthy. We looked at the sin-wrecked, and most of us would fit into that category in some way. We looked at the religious or the self-righteous. And uh, so nobody is left out. And today, we're going to look at the last category, and that's the category of the Gentiles. Now, I, I hope somehow before we're done, I can bring across a point that's, I think, some, somewhat underappreciated, even by Bible-believing Christians. And, you know, given some of the things that have happened in the past couple years, with racial issues in our country and, and you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and, and riots in big cities and Antifa and uh, what's, what's the ra oh, critical race theory and things like that and, and, and all the back and forth about that. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize, including Christians, just how much racial tension, if you want to call it that, that there was between the Jews and, frankly, everybody else. And by the way, in the Middle East, is that still going on? You know, let me just say this as a primer. If, if, if you come here this morning and say, oh, good, you know, he's going to give us a bunch of talk radio stuff here. I'm going to try to avoid that as much as I can. Okay? I want to give you uh, primarily what the Bible has to say about all this and where we need to fall as Christians. Um. I, I want to emphasize true color blindness this morning for the believer. Not a bunch of mascotting of minorities so we can feel better about ourselves like the liberals often do. Amen? Don't freeze up on me. Okay? This is a, this is a free speech zone between these walls. Okay? So nobody's going to get arrested for saying amen. I might get arrested someday for saying the things I'll say. <laughs> we just live in, we live in a goofy times, don't we? But what I want us to do is, is, is realize what hill should we die on? You know, Christians sometimes die on the wrong hill, fighting the wrong battle. We, we read that in the Old Testament with some of the kings, even some of the great ones. They made the mistake of dying on the wrong hill. Where, where should we land as Christians? And let me just get ahead of myself. It's about witnessing to and winning people of all skin color, 
all languages, uh, i.e. missions. And by the way, if you get involved in missions, you can't be a racist. Now, now I know, and again, I'm just going to be frank with you. I, I, I'm going to talk about the gorilla in the living room. I'm going to talk about what's already on the table. Okay? According to the, the left leaners, let's call them, they're t- they want to teach our children now that if your skin is white, you're automatically a racist. Right? Don't freeze up on me. This is a free speech zone. You can't be a racist whether you're white or black or red or yellow or anything in between if you get your heart involved in the last command that Jesus gave the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You start putting your money in that. You start praying for those people. And listen, you will be truly colorblind. And that's the only way it works. Until the Prince of Peace comes back, the Lord Jesus Christ is the second advent, and he'll settle all the rest of this nonsense. Look, there's plenty of talk show hosts that will yammer about this from the left or the right. Amen? There's plenty of news channels that can wear you out 24-7 that can give it to you from the left or the right. And, and we could get ourselves all wrapped up in what the Bible calls perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds destitute of the truth and waste all of our time when we have precious little time to get out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and save precious souls, whatever color skin is wrapped around them, whatever language they speak until they get home to be with the Lord in heaven and speak the heavenly language. That's what God's called us to do. So that's where I'm going to try to lay the emphasis this morning. So we get to Luke chapter 2, and we see this last group, Gentiles. And, and to you and I this morning, most of us would probably say, sure, what's the big deal there? That's, that's everybody except the Jews. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. You want to talk about systemic racism between the Jews and everybody else, and it went both ways. There was no love lost. And, and so for, for God to talk about Christ, remember something. Jesus came initially during his earthly ministry as the Messiah of Israel, the king that would set up a kingdom on this earth with, with Israel as the chiefest of nations. And Jerusalem, are you ready for this, is the capital of the world. And Jesus Christ ruling and reigning as a benevolent monarch. But they rejected him. And so God had a plan B. By the way, no matter what happens in your life or in this world with nations or, or, or in the, in nations in the aggregate or individual nations or communities, 
God has a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, a plan F. And in the end, it's all going to come back to him because he's sovereign. Did you ever hear a, a, a guy on, on, on uh, either a, fi- a fighter or on a, on a, a sports team say, hey, we can play it, <clears throat> play it any way you want to play it? In hockey, they would say, you want to play it rough? We got our goons, our cement heads, our enforcers, our policemen. You get the idea? But if you want to play the speed game, we got speed. You want to play the skill game, we can play it. You want to play the defensive game, the trap between the blue lines in that zone and play it, we can play that. You know what? God can play the game any way you want to play it. But in the end, it all comes back to him. And it's all going to work out the way he said it would work out. So, so the, the Bible says he came unto his own, the nation of Israel, but, but his own received him not. Now, when that happened, God wasn't up there, hey, Gabriel, what are we going to do? I sent my son, and, and, and my people rejected him. What do you think? No. No, he knew. He knew what was going to happen. And by the way, he still gives you a free will, even though he knows what's going to happen. You weren't predestinated to get saved. You were predestinated once you got saved, to be conformed to the image of his son, according to Romans 8. He gave you a free will. Now, he knew what you were going to do. He knew what Israel was going to do. So he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Next verse, but to as many as received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That is, the gospel would go to the whole world. And most of the world is in this category we're dealing with this morning, Gentiles. Look at, look at Luke chapter 2. And this is spoken of prophetically for us right, right in the beginning at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Simeon dis- de- declares this, and I don't have time to go into all this who Simeon was and what he was about, but he says, he says here in verse uh, 29, uh, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant uh, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. That is the baby Jesus. Thine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Now watch verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The Bible says in John 7, Jesus speaking. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, now, I want, I want you to understand, as I read this to you, just, just what's behind a statement like this. Uh, the, the Jewish leaders are trying to trip up Christ. The Jewish leaders already hate Christ. They're, they're insecure. They feel like they're being supplanted. And so, think of what's behind a statement like this. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the 
Gentiles. That was considered an insult. An insult, folks. And, and teach the Gentiles. You see, if you don't understand how much these groups hated one another, you don't get, you don't get the, the force of that statement. It was considered to be an insult. Uh, when it came to the Samaritans, uh, you remember, you remember, you remember the, uh, the woman at the well? You remember her? The woman at the well? The Bible says uh, the, uh, uh, the Lord was speaking to this woman, and, and she was actually startled that the Lord would even talk to her. Uh, she said in John chapter 4, verse 9, she says, uh, the, the Bible says that, that, that his disciples marveled that he, that he spake unto her. Uh, she marveled. She said, how is it that thou being a Jew askest water of, uh, of me uh, that am a Samaritan? For this is what she said. You want systemic racism? Here it is. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. That's, that's how much of this was going on. Can, can, I, can I just say this about my great country? It's got its problems. Hey, slavery was deplorable, but a lot of blood was shed to fix it. And our institutions, are you ready for this? I don't care what, what our, our president says. I don't care what the liberal news media says. I don't care what the Communist Party in our country says, the Democrat Party. This country is not systemically racist. In fact, if we'll be honest, regardless of the color of our skin, no exceptions, we all have to fight the idea of prejudice. Oh, he's different than me. He's got to be weird. Well, he probably thinks the same thing of you. Okay? Let me give you a missionary story. I'm not trying to gross you out. I know it's Sunday morning. I'm supposed to be all cultured. A missionary had a, a, an American guest with him up in, up in uh, Arctic Alaska somewhere among some indigenous people, some Eskimos, we'd say Eskimos. And uh, so one of the little habits these people had in their house, you know, and, and again, I don't understand this, and I'm not trying to be critical, but... Uh, when they would blow their nose, they would wipe it on the door sill. Yeah, it sounds really bad. I mean, here we are. Uh, by the way, we're all ethnocentric. We do things right. They do things wrong. Right? That's wrong, right? You know, <laughs> So... So through the missionary as a translator, the American guests wanted to know why they did that. Do, do, you know what, do you know what the indigenous Eskimo guy said? He said, why do you blow it into a cloth and carry it with you in your pocket? <laughs> you gack in a cloth, and then you carry it around all day. Right here, where you can't lose it. <laughs> we all have that in us. 
I don't care the color of your skin. But America, quote me on this to anybody you want, is not systemically racist. All a lot of people in our country are trying to do right now is divide and conquer. And they have socialistic, communist motives. And, and just like Karl Marx in Russia and, and, and Lenin and all those guys, when they, used, when they used the argument and created class warfare through the, the, the idea of the bourgeois, the privileged versus the proletariat, and got all that stirred up, all they're doing now is using race in our country to try to get us all to hate each other. I pray to God it doesn't work with us. I, I, I pray that Christians in this country will wake up to the real hill that we should die on. And it's a gospel hill, not some political. So do you realize 10 years from now, this is all going to be a distant memory? And, and, and this contentious world will be fussing about something else. Remember, until the Prince of Peace gets back, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be wars, there's going to be rumors of wars, and there's going to be hatred. Let's not participate in it. Let's not participate in it. So what are we looking at here? Let me, let, me, let me give you an idea how bad it was. You want systemic racism? Here's what one historian said about the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews. He said, quote, the Samaritan was publicly cursed in their synagogues. How'd you like that as part of the service? Now we got... We got the songs, we got the announcements, we got the preaching, we got the fellowship, we got the giving, and the cursing of the Samaritans. We'll rotate the deacons. They'll each take a turn coming up here and cursing the Samaritans. And we'll all do it together. It was part of the service, folks. The Samaritan was publicly uh, cursed in their synagogues, could not be adduced as a witness in a Jewish court. And by the way, the Samaritans felt the, the same about the Jews. And by the way, the Jews had a name for the Gentiles. Most of us here in the room today, dogs. A Samaritan could not be adduced as a witness in a Jewish court. So if a Samaritan saw a murder, Brother Bob, any other lawyers around here, you couldn't, you couldn't call him as a witness. It was illegal. Why? Because he was a Samaritan. You want systemic racism, there it is. That's what it is. And, and could not be admitted into any sort of proselytism. Now, what does that mean? That means it, it, to, to just, you know, to fast forward it up to us. If, if the Jews were going soul winning and they knew a Samaritan lived in that house, they weren't knocking on the door. They didn't want him to get saved. Remember how mad Jonah got when he preached and all the Ninevites got right? That's what he was mad about. He wanted those people to go to hell. He didn't want to preach to them. That's the first time I've ever heard of an evangelist that had, had a great revival. And they got mad because too many people got saved. That's why. And then, and, then, and then at the end of the quote, and was thus 
so far as the Jew could affect his position, excluded, excluded from eternal life. And what does our Bible say here? A light to lighten the Gentiles. Do you think, do you think God knew about all these racial problems between the Jews and the Samaritans and the Jews and the Gentiles and the Gentiles and the Jews and the Samaritans and the Jews? You know what the Lord did? He just ignored it. And he said, I'm going to send a light to lighten the Gentiles. He's going to go to my people first and offer them a kingdom. And then if they reject it, like he knew they would, he'll be a light to lighten the Gentiles. Aren't you glad for the plan B this morning? How many of you here are, are, are saved Gentiles? Raise your hand. Practically everybody, maybe everybody, I suppose. Boy, thank God for his plan B, huh? Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. We're talking this morning about the Gentiles. The Gentiles being saved. I've said to you over and over and over again, missions is, is such an interesting thing. It, it, was, it was the last... It was the last thing the Lord had to say to the church. It was the Great Commission. Um, Brother Wells shared this with me. He's, uh, they're, they're on a, a, a vacation or, or something going on today. Uh, so he, he's out of town. But um, he, he, shared, he shared this story with me uh, on, on one occasion. He, he talked about in Papua New Guinea... How, how, the, how the people there, the, the Weedus, the people in the, uh, in the highlands there that he ministered to, he, he explained how the people there understood the difference between the motive of the missionary and the motive of the businessman. Uh, and, and, he, and, and they called them white skins. Didn't matter if they were businessmen from Australia uh, looking to make a buck or the missionary that was coming but they, they understood the difference. They understood the difference. And so I say to you this morning, let's pick the right hill to die on here. Let's pick the right hill. Um, Acts chapter 28, and let me get there. In Acts chapter 28, and, and like I said, God saw this racial tension between these people, and so he just ignored all that, and he said, well, I'm gonna send my son to be the savior of the world. That, that's my plan, that's my program. And folks, this morning, let's be part of that program. Let's be part of that program, let's not be lax. And so, what did I just do to myself? I can't believe this, oh, here we go. Okay, again, I'm running for president one of these days. <laughs> It's, it's slowly coming on. I believe I got what it takes. All right, look at verse 28. <laughs> Acts chapter 28. <laughs> Never mind. I, I got to keep moving here. We're, I'm going to run out of time. There's something I really want to say, but I'm not going to say it. Um, Paul just gets done uh, preaching to a bunch of Jews here in Acts chapter 28. And in verse 28, he says, Be it known therefore unto you, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. All right, why, why, did, he, you know, why did he say that? 
he's provoking them to jealousy here. And, and again, when he says that, you know, you and I are like, oh, yeah, okay, the Jews rejected it, and that's what they're doing here. They're, they're just doing a bunch of head scratching. They're not, they're not answering the altar call. You know, Paul has an altar call. Play just as I am, Bob. Play it louder, you know. Just as I am, they all just sit there. And, and so Paul says, all right, you don't want it. It's going to be sent unto the Gentiles, and, and they will hear it. And when he said these words, the Jews departed and had what? Great reasoning among themselves. What do you mean the salvation of God is going to go to the Gentiles? It's ours. We're Jehovah God's people. We're the only ones. It it provokes them to jealousy. Look at chapter 10 of Romans. Just just flip a few pages uh, forward from here. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with the Gentiles. Verse 19 Uh, By the way, you know Jesus was a Jew. So he numbered himself with the Gentiles. Uh, Not a good strategy, Lord. You know, these Jews that you're going to, they hate the Gentiles. So so you better pretend like you hate them too. Politically, isn't that the way it should have been done? uh, Jesus, if you're going to run for office, this is never going to (laughs) work. He didn't care. He was thinking about us. Thank God for that. Look at chapter 10, and look at verse 19. Paul, Paul, a Jew himself. By the way, he was the apostle to who? The Gentiles. Look at verse 19. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are, that are no people. I will provoke you, Israel, to jealousy by them that are no people, the Gentiles, and by a foolish nation. I will anger you. And by the way, that's a great description of every nation that has false gods. They're foolish nations. By the way, that's where our country is headed. We didn't start out that way. We didn't start out that way. I like what Dr. Gipps said one time. We were the one nation that said to God, hey, God, would you be our God? Israel didn't even do that. God picked them. Our forefathers picked God. You think maybe God liked that? First nation ever that as they were formed and said, hey, God, would you be our God? But that got his attention. And for the longest time, that's the way it stayed. Now we're moving the wrong direction. Uh, We're we're living living on, on past laurels, I'm afraid, as a nation. I'm not talking about you here this morning. I I know you have different sentiment, but as a nation, we're living on past laurels. But any nation, which would be pretty much any nation that that has a false god, that would be a good description. A foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. Who's he talking about? Gentiles. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. That's Gentiles. Our, our ancestors run around in loincloths killing each other. White, black, red, or yellow, it doesn't matter. Gentiles, false gods. But to Israel, he saith, verse 21, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. This was a radical concept that he would go to the jail. Look at chapter 15. Look at Romans chapter 15. And again, Paul is the apostle 
to the Gentiles. Romans chapter 15 and verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, the Jews. He started out ministering to the Jews for the truth of God. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 10 when he sent them out to preach and he said, Go not the way of the Gentiles, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. How many of you remember reading that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. At first he was being presented to Israel, and that's who he was being presented to. But they rejected him. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Your Old Testament is filled in the minor and major prophets with promises that, that the Messiah, the king, would come to Israel. Well, he fulfilled that, but they rejected him. Verse 9, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles. You see that word keeps showing up? And by, by the way, I'm going to show you in just a minute, every time a Jew during that day that wasn't messianic, that didn't obey, that didn't have faith, that didn't uh, embrace Christ, every time they heard that word Gentile, they cringed. And I can prove that. They did more than cringe. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, verse 12, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, speaking of Christ, and he shall, he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. And that will be fulfilled in completion at the second advent of Christ when he comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. All the Gentile nations will worship him. And by the way, Israel will repent and receive him the second time around. Isn't that good? All right, now turn, to, uh, turn back to uh, the book of Acts and go to chapter 22, Acts chapter 22. And I don't think there's an incident anywhere in Scripture that, that illustrates any better, any better th this concept of, of how, how the, the, the Jews and Gentiles felt about each other, and especially in this particular case, how the Jews felt about the Gentiles. And I want you to notice something in chapter 22. Paul is giving his testimony to his people. And remember, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He, was, uh, he persecuted Christians. He didn't just sit around and go, ah, I wish those Christians would quit doing that. He, he organized persecutions against the Christians. He consented uh, to the death of Stephen as Saul of Tarsus. And now he's giving his, his testimony of conversion to, to his fellow countrymen. And, and they're listening to him. And even, they're listening to him even, look at verse 8, when he talks about the fact that the one that knocked him off the horse the one that shined the bright light was none other than Jesus Christ. They hated Christ. They just got done crucifying Christ. Now they were having to run around uh, Jerusalem and then all, all of Judea and, and Samaria and, and probably eventually the uttermost parts of the earth covering up their deed and trying to explain away the resurrection. I mean, these guys, these guys they hate Jesus. And look at verse 8. And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And he just keeps preaching. 
and they are still listening to him intently. Even after he said the word Jesus. Now watch this in verse 20. Watch this in verse 20. He's continuing to give his testimony, and you get to verse 20, and when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, Paul says, I was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. You know, what was he doing? He was making a case, hey, I was just like you guys. I was no different, but I, but I got saved. He's, he's witnessing to him. He has a burden for him. And, uh, and, 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 and I was consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Now remember, he already talked about Jesus being the one who gave him this vision. You'd think if they were going to get riled up about something, it would be that. Amen? Watch this. And they gave him audience, verse 22, unto this word. Was it Jesus in verse 8 they gave him audience until? No. They gave him audience until he said the word Gentiles. And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And they cried out and cast off their clothes. And I'm not going to do that because then I'll tear the mic off and, and I'll look all weird pulling my coat off. But you get the idea. They, they rip their coats off. And I'll take this side off, okay? I'm going to leave this side on because this is where the mic is. And, and look what they did. And they threw dust into the air. So they grabbed handfuls of dust and threw it up in the air. They're, they're trying to make as much of a fuss as they can. Sometimes the Bible says they would rend their clothes. I'm certainly not going to do that. This is a nice shirt, and I don't want to break all the buttons. They were willing to listen to him talk about Jesus being the one that gave the vision, even though they swore he was a false prophet, and they had him crucified, and he didn't raise from the dead. And it was their full-time job to run around and prove that. But a little later on in his testimony, he uses the word Gentiles, and the place comes apart. Now do you know what racism is? That was weak. Now do you know what racism is? Amen. That's racism. And do you know what God said about all that? He goes, I don't care. I'm going to make me an apostle, a special apostle, who is going to go to all those people. And I don't care whether my people like it or not. Aren't you glad he was numbered with the Gentiles? Because if he hadn't have been, all of our ancestors, oh, by the way, thank God for the Great Commission, because it's because of the Great Commission that the pilgrims came here. Someone will say, well, the Puritans, never mind the Puritans, the pilgrims. Not all the Puritans were pilgrims. Came here, number one, it wasn't to find religious freedom. That was number two. Uh, you say, well, it was, you know, adventure and opportunity. That was number three, four, or five, or ten. You read Mort's relation. He was one of the pilgrims in, in, in the first group that came. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's, in, it's in book form. I have it in my office. You read that book, and he gives his arguments to some friends, one in particular, about why they should come. 
And you know what reason number one was? To evangelize the aboriginal people of the new world, the American Indian. That was his number one motive. Aren't you glad for missions? There wouldn't have been any America. Never mind, you know, in 1492, Columbus sailed, you know, the ocean blue. That's all nice. That's not what brought us the gospel. That's not what brought, brought us the gospel. It wasn't the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. It was some other ships. Where, where the first winter, over 50% of the people died. But they did it, number one, principally, to bring the gospel to the aboriginal people of this, of this continent. And the rest, as they say, is history. He numbered himself with the Gentiles. Aren't you glad this morning? Hey, how about this week we go out there and number ourselves with him? Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. Remember last week I told you? I don't know about you, but I've given him plenty to be ashamed of me about even since I got saved. How about you? Hey, if he's not ashamed to, uh, to call me brother, boy, I shouldn't be ashamed of him. Because you want to know something? He's given me nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing. Man, we ought to stand up this week and every opportunity we get, tell people about the, 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 the greatest one there is. Period. Never mind some great athlete or politician or anything. Jesus Christ and what he did in my life, what he did in your life. Don't be ashamed of him. He was numbered with the, the, the Gentiles. He was numbered with the Gentiles. Oh, I could go on and on and on. I could go on and on. You know, uh, and, and God dealt with me about this. I, I told you this story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell this story again real quick. You know, I'll be honest with you, after, after 9-11, Boy, I'd, I'd, I'd see someone in a, in a burqa, and I would just, I'd, 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 I'd hear these, these imams and, and these, these guys back in these Arab nations cursing America with somebody in the background burning one of our flags. And you know, the, the right-wing uh, redneck, if you will, Republican, conservative, throwing all the adjectives you want. NRA loving guy, you know. I mean, I'm I'm one of these guys that believe that God, God started uh, uh, four institutions. It was the family. Um, it was the uh, church. He started the church and he started government, and then he ordained the NRA. <laughs> four four major institutions. I know I'll get criticized for that one. That's okay. And so all that, all of that would rise up in me. And you know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't give them a track. I wasn't consciously saying, I don't want you to be saved. I think I probably was subconsciously thinking, you can't get saved. Does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 28, going into all the world and preach the gospel to, what's the next word? Every creature. Does that mean Muslims too? How about Muslims that want to destroy your country? You, you know what Paul was trying to do here in, in Acts 28, where I, or uh, Acts uh, 
uh, 22, where I just read to you, he was, he, was trying, he was trying to win his fellow countrymen that were trying to destroy the preaching of the gospel, which is what he was called to do. Here's, here's another group. I, I've done a lot of flying over the years. Uh, homosexuals are, are disproportionately wealthy to most other people. I, I've read the statistics. And so there's a lot of them at the airport. And they generally don't come to the airport and drag, but, you know, after you've been around, you can tell. Uh, sometimes the way they talk and, or what they're talking about. And, and, and one day I was just sitting there having some breakfast in one of those little uh, restaurants where there's a little outside area from it down the, uh, down the hallway walking from uh, terminal to terminal. And there were a couple guys at a table just behind me, and I heard them talking, and... and just based on what they were talking about, I knew they were homosexuals, and I, I was just getting kind of... Because, again, the same thing. I, I, I didn't consciously, consciously whatever, but I, I think subconsciously I just thought they couldn't get saved. And then God reminded me of something sitting right there. Um, Paul said uh, to the church of Corinth, he said, he was talking about different kinds of people that got saved, and he, and he included the effeminate. And then he said, and such were some of ye. So the church at Corinth had converted homosexuals. And I'll just pause for a second, let that sink in. You, you, know, you know what I, I, I think in some ways that might be in our churches today? That might be the unwanted harvest. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't want those people in my church. What if they backslide? What if you backslide? I know some of you. That would be really, really dangerous to all the rest of us. We put up with you. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if the church had been active trying to win these people to Christ, we might have less problems than we have with this whole issue right now. And it was as if God had tapped me on the shoulder, and I wasn't hearing an audible voice. I just was thinking of some Bible, and God was speaking to my heart through my spirit. And the Lord said, why don't you just turn around and give those guys a track? I mean, I'm a big tracker. I always got tracks in my pocket. I'm always handing out tracks. In fact, before I got into the pastorate, I was a, you know, I'd witness to a wooden Indian if he'd stand still. <laughs> you know. Just, just all this other busy, busyness gets in my way sometimes. But, but uh, so I just turned and looked at those guys and said, hey, guys, can I give you something to look at when you get some time? And they said, sure. And I gave them each a track, and they looked at it, and they, they said, thank you. That wasn't so bad. In fact, you know what I found out of over the years? I found out they receive and reject tracks at about the same rate that all the straights do. Every creature. Is there anybody you've put in a category of, I won't witness to them? They can't get saved. The Lord said, every creature. To the Jews. Jesus going to the Gentiles. Paul might as well have been talking about people on Mars. Or Jupiter as say Gentiles and yet folks that was you and me that was you and me 
Let's close with one more thing. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 1. And we'll finish with this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world. The world. I know we all know this. I know we all know this. Any of us that have been saved any length of time, I haven't told you anything you didn't know. You know what I've done this morning? Just reminded you of something that not unlike me, you probably have forgotten. Sometimes, the, you've you're been doing something and the main thing you were trying to do got lost in a bunch of details. Or the main thing you were trying to do got lost in a bunch of distractions. That can happen to us as Christians. That can happen to us as a church if we're not careful. Amen? Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. Romans chapter 1 verse 14. I am debtor, Paul said both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Both to the Greeks, okay. Who were the Greeks? Those were the ones whose language he understood, and they understood him when he talked. Um, the barbarians, that's anybody whose language I don't understand, and they don't understand my language. Both to the wise, that's us, and the unwise, that's them, Right? Right? Because they do things wrong and we do them right. (laughs) Of course. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is a power. I'm, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Paul's a Jew. And he's going to preach the gospel to them that are at Rome, Gentiles. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, Christ came and was presented as a Messiah to Israel, and also to the Greek, plan B, the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I got a... You know what's the saddest thing to me about all this? Racial wrangling back and forth we got on in our going on in our country, especially the black white stuff. It, it isn't that the left wants uh, this critical race theory being taught to our children. So that, by the way, I, I think it's sad what it's going to do to them. It's just going to stir up hatred between. I mean, I mean that's not racism. It's the same old stupid thing. It's just a different skin color. Right? Wasn't it in our country at one time, especially among whites? Well, if your skin's white, you're good. If it's, if it's any other color, you're bad. Now, it's if you're any other color, you're, you're good. And if it's white, it's bad. What's the difference? It's racism. You, you, you know, that, that doesn't bother me nearly as much as this. This is an article, and I won't take the time uh, to read it but you could probably look it up on the internet somewhere, pull it out of the cloud. Written by a black preacher named Michael Massey, and he, he rebukes Jesse Jackson. And you know what's the saddest thing to me about this, this whole thing? Is that I, I believe this, and, and it's also true of, of white America, but I believe the blood of black America is going to be laid at the feet someday at the judgment. It's going to be laid at the feet 
of the black clergy. And this man, Michael Massey, rebukes Jesse Jackson for his immorality. He's got all kinds of uh, illegitimate children, yet he calls himself a reverend, a minister, a preacher. You did know that, didn't you? Al Sharpton, too, and guys like that. And, and this black preacher, who's a true gospel preacher, rebukes him, and he asks him, how many souls have you won to Christ? To whom do you preach the gospel to? Are you telling your people they're victims, or are you telling them they're sinners in need of repentance? Do you know what the saddest thing to me about this whole thing is? There's a whole race of people in our country being excluded from the gospel by their own preachers because they won't preach repentance to lost sinners because that's what they are. That's what we were before we got saved. And if, some, if somebody can convince you you're a victim, you'll never get right with God. And that's the thing that breaks my heart. You know what we need? We need about 100,000 more Anthony Rudolphs. If blacks in America are going to get saved in any great numbers. Just like we need about 1 million more good Bible-believing preachers in churches to reach white America. And why 100,000 in a million? Just because of the numbers, the population. That's the sad part. Folks, you want to die on a hill? Die on the gospel hill. Don't die on the political hill. Look, I'm not saying go out and you know, vote Democrat next time or liberal or, or not even care about these things. Look, Vote intelligently. Do vote. You have the opportunity. Don't squander it. And, 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 and vote for the most biblical candidate. The most biblical candidate, regardless of the, author, uh, of the office. Look, if it's dog catcher, find out which candidate believes the Bible. Okay? That was, that was supposed to be funny. You, you guys... Didn't, didn't get it. I've gotten you too serious now. But die on the gospel hill. Not the political hill. Not the social hill. Not the redneck hill. Huh? Look, I told you this before. I, I you know, I'm, 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 you know I'm, a, I'm a conservative and all that other good stuff. But I like to ride my bike. I guess that makes me a liberal or something. Because the three or four guys that try to run me off the road and kill me, we're all rednecks. I think from now on, I'm going to go ride my bike at the north end or something. Where it's safer. Brother Putney, would you help me out there, huh? Brother Putney's a north ender, yeah. He's a conservative guy. How do you guys survive there, huh? Oh, you're south side of the north end. Okay, all right. <laughs> I did he tells me they love it. We have an intruder. <laughs> See how silly all that stuff is? Die on the gospel hill. Stand up for Christ. The one who numbered himself with us, the Gentiles. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word.
And God, what can we say to all these things? Six groups of people. Some of us have found ourselves in, in two, three, or four categories. But Lord, we're thankful that you didn't leave anybody out. And that whosoever will can take of the water of life freely. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, we pray for anybody here this morning that may not know Christ, that during the song of invitation, they would just leave their seat, come forward, and let somebody talk to them, have a word of prayer, and just explain to them how to be saved and just get it taken care of, Lord. Father, help the rest of us just to realize, Lord, that we live in a world that's just going to keep yammering about us, at us about all this stuff and try to get our attention and distract us from the, from the most important things. And Father, we have a natural bent to be suspicious of anything or anyone that's different than us. It's called prejudice. And to think that, that, that we're the right ones all the time, no matter what we do. Help us to fight that. But realize we're always going to fight it. It's uh, people in this country trying to erase that out of everybody's life. It just, just isn't going to happen. Help us, Lord, by the Holy Spirit to let those things happen and let the world just keep arguing. Let them keep arguing. Let them, let them keep lobbering grenades at each other and just forget about it. Just like you sent your son, even when you saw all this hatred between the races, when you sent him to his own people, Lord, and his own people rejected him. Thank you, you had a, a, a plan B, and it was a plan of love. It wasn't a plan of hate. It was a plan to give the gospel to the whole world. Tell of your great love for us through Christ, Lord. Help us in the midst of all this hate in our country to love one another as we should, as brethren. And it's not going to matter anything about race or ethnicity or skin color or anything like that. And then go into a world, Lord, and be as colorblind as we possibly can be and just tell others about Jesus Christ. And if we're going to die on a hill, Lord, help us to die on the gospel hill. Thank you, Lord, for missionaries that are willing to go to different cultures, learn new languages, give up everything they're familiar with, and bring the gospel to others. Help us, Lord, if we're not called to go, help us to to be, to be instrumental in sending, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we had so much money in missions last night that we could dole out over $200,000 to these 136 of the, of the best families in the world, Lord. Giving the gospel out, Lord, to people of, of every, every race, every skin color, every creed, and every language imaginable. Help us to maintain that burden, Lord, knowing it was the very last command you gave to your disciples before you left here. But help us not to forget, Lord, that that doesn't just include people in far-flung areas. It includes the people we work with, the people we live in a neighborhood with. It includes relatives. It, in other words, Lord, we're all missionaries, Lord. And help us to go out from this place today and be that and tell others about Jesus Christ and not be ashamed of him because he's not ashamed of us and to be willing to be numbered with him openly publicly as he was numbered with us and went to the cross for his efforts suffered and died and was resurrected for us and we pray these things in christ's name amen what number brother number 638 let's stand and sing number 638 god spoke to you this morning the altar is open you're welcome to come
Lord, I give my life to you. Take control each day. I will follow anywhere, near or far away. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Dr. Gipp, would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer, please? Father, we thank you for our salvation. Thank you, God, for looking our way when Israel said no. But we thank you for not writing Israel off either. Thank you, God, that you died and shed your blood for every single person. And then gave us the opportunity to take that gospel to the world. God, I ask you to bless every person that has come, every person that has tuned in for this service. Let us get something that will help us live to your glory, God. As we leave here today, Father, keep us safe. Uh, if you can, God, have mercy uh, on our nation. It's a wayward nation, but have mercy on it. And help us live to your glory, God, uh, in these last days. It's a light for thee. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.